Hey, thank you for joining us again for another episode of The Nipore. This week, Nick and I dive into and review Buffalo Trace's Mash Mill Number 2, Rock Hill Farm, and Blanton's as we discuss a little bit of bourbon news and topics. So you sit back, grab a drink, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey, we live, baby. Are we? Are we here? We're. All right. Hello. Welcome to everyone uh, to the Neat Poor Podcast, broadcasting live from the Afro Beer Chick Studios. Uh, I am, of course, your co-host Nick. And I'm Shalanda, and we're not really live. This is pre-recorded. Oh, it's, this isn't going out to the people. I mean, we're not live as we're doing it. Shit, I gotta change my intro. Uh, Shalanda, we've got uh, we've got some news that we're going to get into, but first, uh, what are we drinking this week? We're drinking Rock Hill Farms and Blanton's. Yes, the mashup. Right on, man. Uh, a little side-by-side uh, to mash build two offerings from uh, Buffalo Trace. All right, so uh, let's dive right into news, shall we? We shall. All right, so what's going, what's going on here? Uh, Cave Hill, Cave Hill Cemetery. There was an interesting article this week. Well, I found it this week. It was probably out before that, uh, called uh, "Buried Buried Bourbon," and it's about this private cemetery in Louisville called a uh, Cave Hill Cemetery. So anyway, it's a 16-mile private cemetery. Uh, but listen to some of the names that are buried all in the same location: uh, Colonel Sanders and Muhammad Ali, right? Then uh, William Larue Weller, and then it just turns into a who's who of bourbon: uh, Pappy Van Winkle. Uh, Paul Jones, the founder of last week's uh, feature distillery, Four Roses, George Garvin Brown, and George Foreman, of course, who are the, the founders of uh, Brown Foreman, um, Arthur and Frederick Stitzel. They were uh, members of the Stitzel Weller uh, distillery that, of course, sold to Julian, and that's where Pappy was born, right? The the, the bourbon. Um, and Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah Beam, who is uh, Jim Beam's only son. So the name of this cemetery is which is bourbon. I mean, that seems like that's where everybody's buried at, right? That's an impressive. That's that's pretty cool. Hey, if you own a distillery, <coughs> you get buried here in this cemetery. Yeah, it's interesting that they're all, and then it's uh, there's it's 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 a ton of space and a ton of cool people. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, who's who of who's uh in bourbon? So. So when I die, I want to be buried with bourbon and, and bourbon bottles and beer. Okay, yeah. right? Just just bury me inside of a. Uh, 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 bourbon barrel. <laughs> <laughs> I would do that for you. <laughs> like, I'm like, why is your husband like, hey, this is what he wanted. I'm honoring his wishes. No. Yeah. Uh, Peyton Manning uh, caught, some, caught some news waves for his uh, $200 whiskey that he's releasing with some investors. Uh, it's called uh, Sweeten's Cove. So Sweeten's Cove is named after a uh, golf course in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. All right. So uh, what was interesting about it is that uh, the consultant and master blender on the sound on the soundtrack, the consultant and master blender on the project is uh, Marianne Eves, who uh, got started as the uh, as a master uh, taster at Brown and Foreman. And then she left to become the master distiller at Castle and Key, uh, becoming the first female to ever hold that title. 
Well, um, let's see here. So you're going to just start off with a $200 bottle of bourbon with no history. And how long have they allegedly <coughs> aged this bourbon? That's a good question. Uh, we have to assume this is sourced uh, probably from uh, some Tennessee distilleries. Uh, probably the same two Tennessee distilleries that uh, are the good folks at Uncle Nearest. MGP. Source, source from, too. Yeah. So, yeah, $200 now, I... Not gonna do it. It's interesting. I mean, because we, uh, you know, Kentucky Owl, which was uh, they're confiscated, is what people are, are really excited about. But then we picked up the uh, 11 year rye, right? And mm-hmm. that's not an 11 year old distillery. The Willet folks, who um, who are really kind of the poster child for, is getting really famous off of source whiskey, and then eventually creating their own whiskeys but see here's the thing i don't have a problem with you know it being sourced because we all know how that works right mm-hmm. but however if you're coming into the game you're coming in with a 200 dollars bottle of sourced whiskey come on now seriously i mean i could at least i could at least see you guys saying 80 dollars or you know hell even maybe even 100 but not 200 like this shit better be fire it keeps the riffraff from purchasing it that's for sure does it really though I mean, you have people out here paying $400 for Wellers. Does it really, though? Weller Foolproof is uh, is $400 around these parts in, in, in beautiful Chicago. Um, Marianne Eves, uh, University of Louisville, uh, chemistry engineering major. Um, so, good job by her. Good right. job by her. All right. That's it for news. Now, Shalonda. Yes. Uh, these are two Buffalo Trace items that we're going to try today. Uh, Mashbill 2, the notorious Mashbill 2, is uh, the full lineup is Elmer T. Lee, Ancient Age, Blanton's, uh, and Hancock. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Rock Hill Farms, right? So my understanding is uh, Mashbill 2 has a, is a higher, higher rye Mashbill. So it's about 15% rye. Yes. Right? And all those offerings are single bear offerings with the exception of Ancient Age. Right. So, so this is cool. Now, um, I've, Blanton's, I think, is one of the most iconic bottles. I hate the word iconic, but it's a cool fucking bottle, you know? It's it's unique. It's it's a... Uh, it's a sexy bottle. Of course, it's got the horse topper. Uh, Rock Hill Farms uh, is the uh, is the farm that... My, I believe it's the farm that, uh, that Albert Blanton owned. Jay's not buried, then I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. I believe the horse motif is on both of them because it was the farm that he owned. Right. Um, okay. And when you talk about Buffalo Trace, man, um, it's it's interesting that a lot of people, some people don't know that these are actually people. You know, uh, Elmer T. Lee, who was the master distiller when they sold to uh, Ancient Age, uh, kind of convinced them that they needed to invest into the distillery, right? And then his uh, his first one of his first new offerings was a single barrel in 1984, which is a tribute to uh, Curb, Colonel Albert Blanton, who was also a distiller at Buffalo Trace back then. It was called George T. Stagg, right? Distillery, um, George T. Stagg, of course. You know, they, all these guys have whiskeys named after him. So uh, quite the lineage over there at uh, at Buffalo Trace, man. So uh, one of these is 100 proof. That's the Rock Hill Farms. The Buffalo Trace is 93 proof. And you can tell, taste the difference in, in the two. Yeah, now uh, Blanton's, of course, is aged in uh, Warehouse H, which is the only metal warehouse. 
Okay. And then uh, Rock Hill Farms is not. That's other than that. And uh, there's no age statement, so uh, people are guessing six to eight years. So right. we'll roll with that. Um, yeah, man, let's get right into it. Pop it open. Pop that cork. Ooh, that's gonna sound real sexy. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. So the first one being poured up is the blend. Now, when was uh, when was your first time having blends? I was. Oh my god! It was before. <laughs> it was you know the first time I had blends. It was at your old apartment. Yeah. It was when you had copped the bottle, and yeah. I was in uh, I was in Avondale, so this would have been 2015, 2016. Yeah. That might have been the first time I had it, too. So, sorry, I'm making too much noise, and I'm getting a uh, signal from the producer to uh, calm down. So yes. I need no, to calm down. I'm professional over here. All right. All right. So, making these stemwares that he just absolutely loves. You know, it has a really... It's a very light amber color for those who've never had blends. And mm-hmm. you should have blends. You should have it on your bar. I'm letting you guys know that now. Don't don't overpay for it. Don't pay over $100 for it. Yeah, Blanton's is a $60 bottle MSRP. But you have assholes out here charging $150 to $300 for a $60 bottle. So Allegedly... Uh, Freddie Johnson says they're making 7,000 bottles a day. So relationships with wherever you go shop are important. I know. And then we, we've never paid. We've never paid over MSRP for blends. Now, we of course, we've overpaid for items. Blends just isn't one of those items. I mean, again, 7,000 bottles a day. Show me yeah. the blends. Yeah. So. Okay. So back to what I was saying. This is like a light amber. The smell of it. Mm-hmm. I'm getting the wood. I'm getting the oak smell. I'm getting that char oak. I'm getting some cinnamon. I'm getting orange. Yeah, you get uh you get like nice tropical fruit. Almost like a uh almost like a fruit cocktail from it's, this plantains. It's a light I mean this one is only ninety three proof. It's a light uh bourbon. I'm there's no spice to it. There's no heat to it. I think if there is some, I mean, people like blends because it's so approachable, right? And the and the texture's so easy, right? It's so it's so smooth, right? But I think the aroma on Blanton's doesn't waver at all from the from the from the taste, you know, from mid palate and and from the um and from the finish. I think it's all just this kind of one continuous groove. And I mean it's it's delicious, but I think that would be, you know, you want it you would want it to last longer, that feeling, right? I what I like about well, you know what, not every bourbon is made to be complex. This one is very consistent from start to finish. Um, like you said, mm-hmm. wait, did you use the word smooth? I looked at you when I said that, yeah. <laughs> Because we we were we we banned the word smooth, and then here I am, episode three. So that means you owe the next bottle. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yes. Yeah. So um, yes, the 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 finish, the from start to finish, it is very consistent. It has almost like a light floral, no spice. The caramel lingers there. You can definitely taste the sweetness in it. Um, 
I enjoy blends. It has become a staple in the bar when you definitely when you can find it under the secondary uh, price, you know, prices. I'm not paying a hundred dollars and above for a bottle. The most I may pay for this bottle will be eighty, but nothing above that. It's interesting because it does. It sort of it sort of tickles the nostrils a bit when you get in when you get in there, and then that same tickling sensation is about the same amount of tickle. On the on the on the back of your of your taste too, where it's just all to your point. It's just all very consistent and all very very tropical fruit forward with a very nice honeyed note, and um, it gets in, it gets out, and it's it's approachable and it's just fun. It's just a fun approachable bourbon. It also gives a really nice butterscotch taste. Did yeah. you get that? Um, I don't know if I got exactly the butterscotch. But that honey, you know how you taste honey. It's it's got to be honey over straight from the bees. Honey straight from the bees, <laughs> but honey like honey over a biscuit, right? I get straight from the bees. Honey yeah. straight from the bees over a biscuit. I not that it. not that grocery store bullshit that they try, <laughs> try to push you. Yeah. We talking about straight real honey, like raw honey. Yeah, but I mean, I don't want to undersell it because like other bourbons that are you know this easy are usually like you know eighty proofs, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know those Japanese whiskeys or those uh, or even above the Four Roses uh, yellow label. Yeah. But this is ninety three proof, and it's almost dangerously. Um... Gonna say it. <laughs> Go ahead and say it. So wait. So we have to tell the people. So dangerously Nick... is dangerously approachable. It's cre- it, it, damn it's... it. Yeah. So I have to, we have to tell the people. We Nick does not want to use the word we smooth we mentioned that. when described. So whoever says that owes a bottle to the bar for the show. And if he keeps knocking this table, he's going to owe me another bottle. Yeah, man. Um, Plantons, the uh, the world's first single barrel. Exceptional mouthfeel. Right on. Should we, uh, should we check out Rock Hill Farms? Pour it up, pour it up. No, it's already out. It's in the neat glass. Is it? Yeah. Okay, I can't see because I have uh, to come. Now, let's see here. Thank you very much. Okay, so the Rock Hill Farms, when you compare it to that of the Blantons, the color is the exact same. Like, if I was to, right off the bat, if I was just to look at it, I would think, does it look the same to you, Nick? Yeah, it's got it's got an orangish uh, copper hue. Yeah. But however, the smell... Is different. You have you smell the sweetness up front. You smell the spice. I smell peach. I smell orange. I smell uh, clove. Yeah, like uh, yeah. Anise. The spices like they're just really jumping out at you from the first smell. I'm gonna go back in and do a second smell, and you tell the people what you think. Um, yeah, I think there's some allspice in there. There's some. Uh, there's toasted sugar. Definitely toasted sugar or brown sugar? Toasted. It's like toasted in a pan. Okay. Never had toasted sugar, so I'm curious. Now you made me want to go try it. Yeah, like that smell, right? Like the, um, yeah, just get a pan and get some, get some raw sugar. I'm, I'm also getting like a toasted pecans, like some type of toasted nut. 
as far as the smell, I wonder, I mean, I know, well, we've had it right before the show, so. I'm also getting it in the taste as well. I tell you, there's a distinct, almost like a cocktail cherry note in there. And that's, that's maybe that's what I like about these is that they kind of taste the way some cocktails are reminiscent of a cocktail already, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like all those, um, all those flavors we're picking up, whether it's, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's fruit or, or honey or, you know, or just these toasted notes. It's all, it, it all kind of, it, 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 it's reminiscent of a cocktail. I can't explain it any other way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm getting, like I said, I'm getting the toasted, um, like pecans or, I'm going to say pecans. Um, I'm also getting the orange peel and a little bit of the lemon zest. It has definitely have some strong fruit notes going in there. But they, and as far as the spice, I'm getting like some peppery type action going on because when you get it on the front end and then that's how it finishes with the hint of the orange and the cinnamon on the back end that finish is it lingers and i'm really enjoying the heat from that from that lingering of that of the spice it's definitely got more legs in the finish than the uh blends does Mm -hmm. right uh for sure like a wonderful wood and spice finish that doesn't really um that stays with you a little longer than the blends does yeah go back to blends i'm back to blends so for me as i was telling nick um when we first tried them back to back Mm -hmm. lately i've been into japanese whiskeys and japanese whiskeys if you guys are not familiar with them they're very light and elegant and floral. Like they're they make for a very easy drink. I can't say the word I really want to say, but they make for a very easy going drink. To me, the blend is like the Japanese whiskeys of bourbon because of the floral sense, of the floral taste. Yeah, and it's funny you bring that up because, you know, blends was initially made with the Japanese in mind. So the reason why, uh, so a- ancient age uh, came in and purchased the uh, George T. Stag Distillery around 1984, right before blends was made. Uh, but it was purchased with the idea that they would go into the Japanese markets, and this was really the first offering. And you know, this bottle, man, it kind of looks like a, it looks like a grenade. It's got this horse on top. It's got these approachable notes. Um, this was all made with with Japan in mind. So ancient age, even though they uh, they ended up selling, uh, they ended up selling a, a lot of their brands to their partners in Japan. They this isn't this is made at Buffalo Trace, but this is not. This is contract distilled at Buffalo Trace on behalf of a Japanese ownership. Uh, Takara Shuzo is the name of the company that owns Blends. Right? Wow! And that was all part of the. Uh, ancient age transaction back in 84 so this was uh i mean that was a smart move to be able to put themselves in position where they still make money off of blends because blends is very highly sought after yeah 
and then the gold version is coming out uh, this summer for one hundred twenty dollars. Yeah, I was uh, I was very excited to have these bottles. I think the quarantine led me to both of these. Uh, I haven't had Blanton's in five years, um, so I'm excited that we got to try that. And then Rock Hill Farms just kind of came out of nowhere. So I mean, secondary on Rock Hill Farms in some places is um. $500. And, you know, it's a uh, it's a $60 bottle. But, yeah. So, uh, a guy, Benny's, kind of told me once when I asked for it, he just goes, impossible. He doesn't even bother. You know how Benny's are. They'll, they'll talk to you a little bit. And they'll act as though they're going to find something for you. But with that one, he's like, it's impossible. Like, why would you even ask? Right? And I think what he meant was it was impossible to find at uh, retail. It's just such a scarce bottle. And then I don't even know if it's on Buffalo Trace's website. It's so fucking annoying. Um, I was looking for it earlier, but I mean, Hancock Reserve, which is an 88 proofer that no one ever really talks about that I've never really had. Um, and then Elmer T. Lee, you know, these bottles, you know, they allegedly exist, right? <laughs> They're myths. <laughs> so. Do they really exist? So yeah. if you're listening to this podcast and if you have a bottle of those bourbons, Please tag us in the photos. We would love to see that they actually exist. Yeah, I tell you, man. And um, I'm at Buffalo Trace's website again, just to double check. And they run through everything, but they don't talk about Rock Hill Farms at all. Yeah. They even go into that goddamn uh, Wheatley Vodka and even go into, uh, you know, their single oak projects. But they don't talk about Rock Hill Farms on the website. So that's annoying. But I will say this. um, I think... Last week when we talked about Four Roses extensively and it was a Four Roses party that actually made me want to go visit the Bourbon Trail, even though Buffalo Trace in Frankfurt isn't on the Bourbon Trail, after after Four Roses, it was the place I was most excited to hit, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and then when you go and you see and when you understand that all these names you know from these bourbons are actually people, you, you even get more excited. We saw them bottling blends that day. Uh, they wouldn't sell us any. It was like, no, fuck you. <laughs> we have to be fair to our uh, to our uh, retail partners, so they wouldn't sell us any. But um, I tell you, it's and I would do the exact same thing over again. You know, I would go. You have to go off the Bourbon Trail, the Bourbon Trail that leads to this T-shirt. If you get your passport stamped, <laughs> <laughs> Buffalo Trace wants nothing to do with that when you go down there. So, and maybe that's changed now, but that's how it was when we went. Right. So. 2016. Yeah. So, but yeah, man, I think after Four Roses, they're, they're probably our favorite dis- distillery. I look, I look to the left and look at the bar and, you know, just like, just like everyone's bar listening, you know, if there's more than 20 bottles, there's probably five of them are Buffalo Trace product. So, and it's no different over here. So. There you go. But yeah, man, uh, I think that's it, Shalonda. I think, oh, Cocktail of the week. Okay. Um. So this, honestly, you know, I'm going to say, I probably will say this every week. Like, this is my favorite cocktail so far, but we're only like three cocktails in. So this one, I, I was kind of trying to figure out what I was going to name it, but I'm going to call this one Chocolate Thunder. <laughs> um, it's sexy. It is like a right white Russian, but with bourbon and some other spices so you can definitely check it out on the ig on the website and also on um the twitter pages for all the socials all the socials 
So, I mean, if you want to contact us, hit us up at the knee pair. Put, oh, shit. This is drinking all day. No more blends for you, bro. Not only, we also have beer sitting in front of us. So, your cocktail is going to be available on all socials. All socials. And then you can contact us at the knee pour on all socials as well. Okay. Um, episode three in the books. Um, that's it. Thank you for listening. Bye. Cheers. <laughs>